It got it got so crazy, and it was so hot, and you it was such a great camp meeting because, you know, when you know you're just going to sweat no matter what you do, you just kind of give up and go for it. And people were dancing in the aisles. And, I mean, it was a, it was crazy, and people were sweating. And we went for so long that night in such a powerful move of the spirit when Ed Dufresne preached, and uh, Ed. Uh, uh, the power blew out. We actually blew our whole power system out. And that was, Ed said, he got up and said, what do we got to do to raise money for AC? And we raised all the money for a new electric and air conditioning that night. But, so I just, I was thinking we might need to revise that. So this would be a good morning to do. No, but, but you know, it was just one of those really awesome things. And you know, when you know that's what you're going to have to deal with, you adjust, right? You just make the best of it and you'll be just fine. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke 19. I'm only going to preach about 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> what, you call me a liar? What? What's that, What's that all about? Yeah. I can do it. And, uh, but I want you to turn to the book of Luke 19. And uh, we, we entitled this series, the, Is This the End? Is This the End? And, you have a lot of different people talking about different prophetic things. Uh, just remember, just because something is on Facebook does not mean it's true. Can I just clarify that? Because there's stuff going around. Okay, and if you posted this, please, don't, please don't take this personal, okay? But David Wilkerson never made the statement about, they, they went to his ministry and asked him, did you, did, do you have anything on record of David Wilkerson ever saying anything about this a pandemic happening, New York shutting down government. They said, we have nothing in any sermons, any books, any recordings of him ever saying that that was at his church. So look, people can put all kinds of stuff up and you need to verify stuff. Okay? Because what happens, this is part of the deception that happens. We believe anything and everything that's going around and Anything and everything is not always true. What I believe is true is the Bible. I believe it. Now, is there going to be disease and famine? Absolutely, because Jesus told us, not because David Wilkerson said it. Amen. But like it adds more, you know, special, pay attention to this because, and I know some of you are probably thinking, can I get on my account right now and take that off because I put that on there? I know how, look, and I've reposted stuff and had to remove it because later on I found out that was not true, okay? And that's okay. At least you're honest about what you're doing. Don't just leave stuff up if it's not true. Thanks, Pastor. That's called, that's called having good ethics. Right. Alright, so Luke 19. And Jesus is about to tell this parable because his disciples and people are asking him, okay, is the kingdom of God going to appear immediately? Okay, is this it? Is this the end? Is this, are you going to take over? Are you going to do everything that you're supposed to do? So he begins to tell them a parable. Now the word parable is the Greek word parabole, and it means to throw alongside, okay? To throw alongside. That's what parables are. People say, well, that means it's a story. It's a story as long as it's thrown alongside a truth. All right? So a parable is a story that is thrown alongside a truth to verify that truth. All right? To bring insight into that truth. It just can't be just 
you know, a parable, a nice little story that we tell in Sunday school class and use a flanogram or what a flannelgram or whatever it is, you know, where you do the different figures. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's got to be tied to a truth. And so Jesus is going to give them the truth about establishing his kingdom. And he says in verse 12, Therefore he said to them, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself... Uh, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So underline the word return, if you would, in your Bibles, if you do that. So he called ten of his servants, delivered the ten minas to them, ten minas, and said to them, do business until I come. And if you write in your Bible, just go ahead and underline, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And you know how this plays out. The first one came, and he doubled it. The next one came, and he did so much with it. And then that last one said, I didn't do anything with what you gave me. All right? So remember, this all ties in to the idea of that the Lord, they're asking, is your kingdom going to be established now? And he said, it's like a man that went away. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Right. And so when he's saying this, he says to them, it, but he's going away, but he will return. Now, they don't get that because they don't understand who the, what his whole plan is. But he's letting them know, giving them insight that I'm going away, but I'm coming back. But then he says to them, it, I will distribute, or it's like this man has distributed ten minas to his servants, and as he has, what he has done to them is said, do business until I come. Do business till I come. So, in one translation it says, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. And I think this is so powerful because... What the Lord is saying to us is that, look, we might be looking for his kingdom, but what is he looking at? He is looking at his people, his people in the church, his servants to occupy here until he comes. To occupy until he comes. Go over to the book of Acts chapter 1 with me. Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, the disciples do the same thing all over again. And they ask him about this, about establishing his kingdom. Acts 1 and um, it's verse uh, 7. Well, let's start with verse 4. So they assembled together with he, they and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, everybody look up at me for just a minute. Understand what Jesus, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to get you a place in heaven. Okay? To put you on the reservation list. That's not why he just came. He came with even a greater purpose. And that was that he could turn, his idea was that I'm going to come deliver these people and then I'm going to turn them into deliverers. But for them to be deliverers, they're going to have to have, one, the authority that I have, two, the power that I have. Okay? So I, 
Because see, if, if all we're thinking that Jesus came to save us, then that will be the end of what we look forward to. What the church should always be looking forward to is walking in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit in this world until He comes. Until He comes. So, verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. So here's, the, here's some clarity with this. When Christ comes back, it's not under our authority. It is not under our authority. It is under His and the Father's authority. Now there are conditions that can be met that will help open that up. But those, and that's talk that we talked about last week in Matthew 24, those conditions being met that the gospel has gone to every ethnos, to every nation, every people that they've all heard the gospel had the opportunity. Because God, Jesus came that all might be saved, not just a few be saved. So he wants the message to get out to everybody. Amen. And so that's, that was his plan. So they're asking now, are you going to establish this kingdom? He says, it's not, you, it's not for you to know, don't. You're not going to know it. The times are seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, comes upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then when He spoke these things, He's taken up from the midst of them. He leaves. Ten days later, they're waiting in the upper room. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. They're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the church goes from hiding in a room to being out in public. All of a sudden, these guys are bold. They're miracle workers. They're healers and deliverers as a group. Now, not just the 12, but as a group as a whole. There are women in that group. Jesus' mother was in that group. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're out in the street. Everybody's seen these demonstrations. Supernatural works are taking place. And the world, in fact, by, by, at one point in the book of Acts, it says, these have turned the world upside down. Now, it's always easy for us to think, well, that isn't under our control. That's under the Lord's control. But we have to remember what the Lord has given us control over he is also going to hold us responsible for. Because see, these servants, whenever he came in, in, in Luke 19, when he came back, he said, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? And one said, well, I did a whole bunch with it. And another said, I did something with it. And the other said, I did nothing with it. Now, I want to know which one of those you are. What are you doing with the authority? Well, pastor, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, an, I'm not anointed. I'm not. Look, if you say you're a Christian, the word Christ means anointed. If you say you're a Christian, then you are a follower of the anointed one and his anointing. It's not about how anointed you are. It's about how anointed he is. In fact, I'll tell you this. The more you think that you're anointed, the less anointed you will be. But the more you recognize His anointing and His power and His ability, the more anointed you will be. Because it isn't about you being strong and powerful. It's about His strength and power being demonstrated through you. 
Paul said, look, I don't come with crafty words of wisdom. I come with signs and wonders and miracles to demonstrate to you that the gospel is real and it does what it's supposed to do. Well, that's for older people. Well, that's ridiculous. That's for children. That's what we teach our children. It's for teenagers. It's for little kids. It's for toddlers. It's for all of them. Because it didn't say that it was an age group where you finally can be used by God. I think the thing we have to all recognize is a day of reckoning will come where we have to give an account for how we have occupied until he returns. I have another sermon here I could go to, but I'm running out of time. So listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. If you're writing in your Bible, you can write this one down. For we, Paul said to the Corinthian church, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all, every one of us, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, here's, 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 because this could be a real tough verse for people because they're like, well, I thought we were forgiven for all the bad that we've done. You have been. You have been. You know, the, God's grace is sufficient. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know, though your sins were red as crimson, now they're white as snow. Everything is erased. It's all erased. But, listen to me. The qualifier with this is, is that when you and I, we decide that what God has said is not enough to lead our lives, and we're going to make our own decisions for our life. See, when God says something's wrong, it's bad, he means it's bad. It means he knows what's best for us, and he says, stay away from that. Don't let that work in your life. Don't let that take control of your life. Don't, don't participate in that. You know, we, you know, there are certain things we probably all agree with that we would say, oh yeah, well, if I did that, there would be an outcome. Like if I go play in the middle of the road out here on M46 and dance and run back and forth and just having a time, and, and, I, and, and, and I tell you, don't do that, and because it, don't do that, that's bad, and you go, no, 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 I'm going to do it because I like doing this, and because, look, because God's protection is over my life, and I'm going to be fine, so I'm going out in the road, and I'm going to dance and shout and run back and forth, and God will watch over me. Well, I'll be doing your funeral. And anybody would dispute that. You'd go, no, no, if you... That's, a, that's dumb. You don't do that. But see, how dumb is it when God tells us that, look, don't do this, and we just go, now, well, you know, I, God loves me. He understands. That's just a lie you're telling yourself. And then we're always shocked about the outcome. We're always shocked about it. Now, I'm not... I'm not picking at things here, okay? So don't, if, and if you participate in this, please don't think the pastor's picking on because that, that isn't my heart. If you buy a pack of cigarettes, what does it say right on the pack of cigarettes? These will cause cancer. How many people do you think go to the doctor every year that continued to do that, even though the warning was there, and they were told by their doctor to stop doing it, and they kept doing it, and got cancer, and were shocked that they got it. Couldn't believe that that happened. Lots of people 
It's like you and I, we, if we eat garbage and we live a garbage life, eventually your body begins to pay the price for it. Come on. And what happens? What happens to it? Then we deal with heart issues, and then we deal with blood pressure issues. And, then, and look, I, I'll, I'm not throwing stones. I got my own battles I fight with. But see, if I think about the outcome while I'm doing the things that I do, Instead of the pleasure they provide, because I'm going to tell you, KFC has a lot of pleasure involved. <laughs> oh, man, there are some like, <coughs> buddy. I think they just ought to sell skins. I think they should just quit selling them. We have a, bu a bucket of fried skins. Glory to God. No, it's not that we don't know, it's that we choose to do wrong. Now, I'm not saying, so are you saying, Pastor, when I stand before God, I'm going to have to give account if I was a smoker and a Christian. That isn't what I said. What I'm saying is, is that the choices that you make in your life to violate what God tells you to do. Like some of you here today, you're sitting here hearing this message and you're going to go, oh, you know, that was a nice sermon, but that doesn't really apply to me. Let me slap you. Okay. It applies to you. It's you. This is your life. This is not about your money. This is not about anything except that Jesus Christ has invested his authority in you and his power in you by the Holy Spirit. And one day you will stand before him and you will, he will say, what did you do with what I gave you? And I'm going to tell you right now, I, saying I went to church is not going to cut it because it's not about going to church. Amen. It's about demonstrating who Jesus Christ is to the world. That he did something in your life and you're going to go out in the world and tell everybody what he did. The church has, over the years, has always looked to try to, like, put this on God. Well, God saved the world. God sent people. You know, that's how I ended up pastoring. I was like sitting in the, I was on the mission field. I'm like, they're telling me they're going to close this church. I have a letter in my hand. My wife's down at the office. I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, man, this is horrible. They're shutting that church down. And, and I, oh Lord, and I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will send them a good pastor. Look, when you start praying, God's got a plan, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, God, send them a good pastor. I'll love them and teach them the truth and and the Lord immediately said, I'm sending you. And I was like, no, you're not. You can't send me, right? You can't send me. I, I'm a called on the mission field. I will be a missionary for you the rest of my life. I will go into the darkest places of the world and preach the gospel. I am not going back. I don't want a pastor. And, he, and then all of a sudden I had this vision, open vision. And I'm like, I see Moses and he's standing there before God going, uh, send somebody else to go back and lead your people. Uh, Lord, I just pray you'll send somebody. I was thinking someone else would, this would be a good job for, you know, Reuben. This is a good job for Reuben. This is a good job for me. Don't ask me to do this, uh, Lord, because, well, you know, I got a speech impediment. Uh, and Lord, you know, uh, I, I got all these problems. And, and you know what God said? Shut up. <laughs> I'm not listening to any of that. I called you to do it. You're going to do it. 
Now look, if you need some help to get you there, I'll get you some help. We'll throw Aaron in there and have him help you. But you're going to go do this. I'm, not, I'm telling you, you're going to go do it. Now, could Moses have just walked away and gone, yeah, you know, I don't know. I need five confirmations. No. He went and did because God gave him authority to do it and gave him the power to do it. He gave him the authority. He gave him the power. That same God has invested his authority and his power. Everything that's going on in the world right now is trying to draw your attention from your divine purpose. Everything. Right. Your divine purpose is not to make a lot of money. Yeah. Your divine purpose is not to, make a to have a happy life. Your divine purpose in God is to allow God to work through your life to change the world. Those early disciples, what those the, the church, when when the church formulated and started, they they weren't thinking about how can we get more money. I'm not opposed to having more money. Praise God, man. I think a laborer is worthy of their hire. I think they ought to, you ought to be blessed. I think you ought to have more than enough. I, I absolutely believe in the abundant life. I totally, but I don't believe in living your life for abundance. You know, books on the market by Christian authors, you know, your best life today, live a great life, life is amazing, you know, it's the Lego song, everything's awesome, right? I guess you got to have kids to know what that is. <laughs> Everything is awesome when you obey what God has asked you to do, and that is to change the world. Change the world. You say, well, I'm not very... I'm not a smooth talker. Well, maybe God's not going to use that part of your life. You know, what about the children's ministry? They change children's lives. They change children's lives. Some of these teenagers that now were on this mission trip were little kids that were in our children's ministry that were being taught the Word of God and being used by God who now don't have any fear about being used by God because that's what they grew up with. They learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit because their teacher told them, you can hear the voice, God will speak to you and lead you by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to wait until they're 18 or 20 or have made a ton of mistakes like most of us did to get to where we need to go. God can start them when they're really little and start speaking to them. And they can hear the voice of the Lord. And are they going to miss it? Well, do you miss it? Absolutely. But the thing is, is that we learn from our mistakes, our failures are not the finish of us, and we grow through them and we become stronger. See, this is, this is the idea. We, we transform lives in the capabilities and talents and abilities God has given to us. I get concerned about that in my life. I'm just talking about Richard Jolliffe, that I have not utilized everything that I'm capable of doing. I'm not, because I live my life that way. God, am I using everything that you've given to me? Have I taught everything I can teach? Have I gone to every place you want me to go? Have I done everything that you want me to do? I never live my life going, good job, Richard. You did really good. Great job. Okay, rest now. You're all right. Take it easy. You know. I am not stopping till I'm done. When I'm done, I hear either his trumpet sound and it's time to go, or I hear a steady beep and it's time to go, right? But until then, until he comes, I will occupy. I will use what I have. Everything in life will try to push you in, in, internally 
my problems, my things, my stuff, my life, everything will move you towards you, to, that you become the center. And even though you love God, God can begin just a vehicle that you're using to get what you want to get where you want to go. But God has a higher purpose for your life, my friend. Yes. You may never stand behind the pulpit. That's okay. But you may stand in a children's classroom and teach the little kids or a teenage group that you're talking to or your neighbor or a family member or your husband or your wife. And that's just as powerful as me standing in this pulpit today. You may pray for a person who's so discouraged right now. Because look... I don't know what the world thinks. You know, listen, in the world, truthfully, the vaccine is all they've got. That's all they've got. And really, government's all they've got. Because they don't have, they're not looking to God to help them. Because they don't know yet that God wants to help them. We're not talking about, you know, vaccines, whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's, for some people, that is the only hope they live their life with. You as a believer, you're a hope bearer taking the light to the world. And you're telling people that, look, no matter what, no matter what goes on, we have authority and we have power that God has given to us. Let me pray with you. Let me, just you heard it from Carrie. It doesn't just have to happen in South America in a small, in a country of Columbia, in a town called Bogota. It can happen right in your backyard, whether it's Saginaw or it's Hemlock or it's or Shields or it's, you know, Owasso, or it's out in Alma, or Edmore, or St. Louis, or where Breckenridge, even. Even Wheeler. <laughs> that God would use your life with his power and his authority. Well, Pastor, that really scares me that I would have to give an account. Give an account. Well, one, remember this. The guy sitting on the throne is your advocate. Come on. Your lawyer is the judge. That's pretty cool, right? When you stand on that judgment seat, look, he's only going to hold you accountable for what you knew to do right and you still chose to do wrong. Let's all stand. I had a whole bunch of other stuff, but I'm not going to be able to get to it today. So, if you're here today, or you're watching online, and your life's not right with God, I would not leave this place today without making things right with God. Because, see, I don't think, you know, we just don't know. I think about, you know, Rex Humbard, a great man of God from Akron, Ohio. And uh, Rex was doing a meeting, and he kept, he kept feeling a burden of the Lord one night in his revival meeting. And uh, he said, there's someone here, God is just calling you to come to him. He's calling you to come to him. He's, you feel that. He's calling you to come to him. And, and nobody responded. I mean, it was one of those deals, those awkward moments, nobody moves. And it was a big meeting. He's thinking, wow, nobody's moved, and I just can't let this go. And he says, look, somebody is here. I'm just telling you, God is not going to keep fighting with you forever over this. Because it says he will not strive with man always. Nobody responded. So he closed the meeting. He felt like he had done everything that he could in that particular moment. The next day, a woman showed up at his meeting and said, um, Rex, I just want you to know 
that uh, last night um, my husband was in that meeting. He was the one. He's the one. Rex said, oh, well, I hope he comes back. She says he won't be back because his life ended last night. See, we don't, we don't know how many days we have, but we do know we have a choice right now how we live this moment. Come on. The choices we make in our life. And if your life today is not right with God, and you're making choices in your life to go against what God has said, even though you know it's the right thing, I call you to a place of turning away from that and ask you in the name of Jesus to turn towards God. And it, nobody needs to know. It's not about you confessing to everybody here. It's about you before God saying, I'm choosing to turn away from that towards God and get right things right with Him. Amen? <laughs> Bow your heads with me. Look, if you, this morning you'd say, Pastor, my life is not right with God. It's just not. I know it's not. Lots of stuff going on in my life that I know I am directly doing the wrong things. And uh, I know what God has said, and I'm still choosing to do the wrong things. But today I'm ready to make that decision to turn to Him and ask Him for help. Now in a few moments we're going to all pray together, but I want to ask you if you would, while everybody's head is bowed, and we're not looking around the room to see who's doing what, but if you'd say, Pastor, that my life is not right with God today, and I want to make it right with God. I'm going to ask you if you just would make eye contact with me just for a minute. Thank you, thank you, thank you. These three, anyone else here today that say, that's me? Four, is there anyone else? Five, thank you, thank you. Six, seven, amen. Anybody else here? Eight, amen. Anyone else here today? Uh, nine, good. Anyone else? All right, once you make eye contact, you can go ahead and bow your head again so I know. Nine different people today. Ten. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else today that would say that's me? Ten people today making that choice. That's pretty awesome on a real hot, humid Sunday morning. Amen? Hallelujah. Anyone else that would say that's me, Pastor Joel, if I need to make things right? Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Hallelujah. A whole bunch of teenagers involved with that right now. That's exciting. Glory to God. I don't want to move on until i just giving you everybody that opportunity. If that is not, if you know, as you stand before your maker today, your life is not right with God, you need to make things right. This is your opportunity. Just look at me, and I'll know it. And we'll pray together, and it'll be awesome, and you'll get things right today. Today. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Awesome. Let's give the Lord a good hand for these ten. Amen. Glory to God. So I'm going to have you pray and lead them. Would you lead them in the prayer of salvation today? Amen. Let's all pray together. So I'll, re I'll pray and you repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I'm sorry for that sin. I ask Jesus into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me a new creation in you. Lord, I'll serve you the rest of my life. With the rest of my life. With all of my life. I will serve you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the change that you're making in me. I come into agreement with it. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.